Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. And this is... Shame. (laughs) I feel shame. (laughs) Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. time for a movie episode and we're going to be talking about underwater released in 2020 we liked this movie yes i thought it was really good the shade that this movie gets in reviews just because Kristen stewart is in this movie shame shame fucking shame on all of you Yes, she was in Twilight. Oh, God, she was in Twilight. Years ago. Literally 15 years ago. Can we all just collectively shut the fuck up about it now, please? I'm sorry. We really try not to be judgmental on this podcast, but honestly, lots of people who have been in some really shitty movies and we let them live it down. Can we fucking let her live it down, please? We did for Robert Pattinson. The Contract of Tolerance. It's okay to be judgmental about people, people who, who are, are not judgmental. Tolerant. Yeah. yeah. Judge not lest thee to be judged. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Robert Pattinson has been in other things. And then he got to be the Batman and everyone was like, oh, okay, yeah, he's great. He's the Batman. No one's like, oh, gross. He was in Twilight. This is the skin of a killer, Bella. Get the fuck out of here. I'm so tired of it. Somebody gave it a low review because Kristen Stewart doesn't spit out her toothpaste at the beginning. What? Can that we doesn't com- even make sense. Can we calm down? And everyone's like, oh, it's Kristen Stewart. She's the same character she is in every movie. Fuck you, no, she's not. She's a great actress. I'm so glad she's finally found herself. She's brilliant and beautiful in this. And just shut up, honestly. I saw a thing about this interview with Robert Pattinson yeah. about Twilight. And he's like, God, I hated it. And during filming, he was like, I don't really like how this is written. Like, this character should be, like, more mature, like... I'm going to play this a little more, you know, dramatic. Like he actually has a personality and like, it's kind of weird that he's leching after this teenager. Yeah. And they're like, no, you need to be more broody. Yeah. This is how you are in the book. Be like you are in the book. And so he was talking to like his agent and like, whatever. And he's like, what are they going to do? Fire me? They hired me. Like, I signed the contract, all this stuff. And then after a few days of filming where he was just playing it like a more serious dramatic role, his agent was like, dude, you need to do what they say because they're going to fucking fire you. Yeah. And so he got broody. He did what he had to do to get his money. He did what he had to do. To get his money. To get his money. Yeah. He got paid, y'all. Kristen Stewart did what she had to do. To get yeah. paid. Yeah, just shut up about it already. Um, yeah, the amount of, oh, she's the same they, character. They weren't complicit in writing right. and enforcing the God. novel. Yeah. 
And then like TJ Miller is in this and TJ Miller is the exact same character, even when he's just a voice, like in a voice, a voice character for a voice actor. Like Fred from Big Hero 6. He's the same character, even when he's not physically in it. But we can't give Kristen Stewart any slack. Yeah. And yet, oh, TJ Miller's so, well, he's not funny anymore. Actually, we don't like TJ Miller anymore. But at the time it was like, oh, he's, you know, he's funny. He's the funny guy. Nobody gives him shit for it. And yet Kristen Stewart... I've heard this referred to as the glass floor. Yeah. And it's like every woman is expected to break the glass ceiling. We all have to be pushing upward. We all have to be lifting each other up. We have to be achieving. We have to be the CEO. We have to be the whatever, which is great. If you have that kind of ambition, I'm so happy for you. But what we also need to be working on is the glass floor. A female actress needs to be able to be as mediocre as a mediocre white dude actor. And still get the same kind of accolade. Think of Christopher Walken. Has Christopher Walken ever in his entire career (laughs) played a different character? No. Maybe a couple of times. But at this point, you hire Christopher Walken because you want Christopher Walken in your movie. And then you just give him a different name. You don't make him a different character. You just give the Christopher Walken character a name. That's why you have him in there. And that's perfectly fine. Are there any female actresses who are the equivalent of this? Maybe, I mean, there's Rebel Wilson, but Rebel Wilson isn't achieving the same level of whatever because everybody's like, okay, well, that character's done now. You know, they'll have this moment of funniness where it's like, oh, we hire Rebel Wilson to be in all these things because she's going to be Rebel Wilson. And then all the while they're like, oh, she's just Rebel Wilson again in this. There's actually, I forget what the word for it is, but there's like a... A trajectory. A predictable curve of the more popular a female actress gets, the farther her fame will fall because it inevitably will. It always will. Think about Jennifer Lawrence. How for a while there, Jennifer Lawrence was in everything. And then it it literally reaches a peak. And then all of a sudden, she could do nothing right. There was absolutely nothing she was in that anybody liked anymore. And she had to fall and wait. And now she's finally coming back and being in things again. And that happens predictably every single time. And I really think we need to unpack that as a culture. The fact that we expect so much from women and we expect so little from men. This happens a lot to like minority women. Like, oh, black women are so strong. They're so powerful. They're so strong. Don't put that on them. Of course, they can be strong if they want to. But I watched a really good thing that was like, this is not okay because you are creating this expectation. And then when they don't meet it, they're not valid. Right. Then they're not meeting expectations because the expectations are so high. Everyone has the right to be mediocre. Everybody does. There's no bad thing to live a simple life, okay? Can we all just agree the Hobbit's got it right? You can be whatever you fucking want to be. And Kristen Stewart is a great actress, and we all need to just shut up about it. And that's that's how I wanted to start this podcast, because she's brilliant in this. Does she have a couple of the Bella facial expressions? Sure. Spoiler alert, that's her face, you guys. <laughs> it's probably just... This is what Kristen Stewart looks like when she's feeling <laughs> that way. This is just her anxious face. I'm so sorry. Is she supposed to change that? It's like the Fort Florence Pugh frown. Everybody got on Florence Pugh about the frown. 
Because when she makes a serious face, she has a little frowny face. It's really cute. And everyone's like, oh, the Florence Pugh frown. I can't. Like the way that uh, I saw a thing about Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And how like there's a bunch of movies where he'll have like a dance. And then at the end of the scene, he does a couple steps from that dance as he's exiting. Yeah. And then he puts on sunglasses when he's being dramatic. Right. There are like trademark gestures and men get yeah, them things right men get and them it's fine yes. for him to have them and but if a woman has it it's like oh she doesn't know how to do anything else <laughs> oh god yeah. i'm sorry i think i've been spending too much time with film bros i just needed a minute there because uh, somebody else did this and everyone was like oh isn't Kristen stewart in that and i was just so triggered like, i was just so triggered by it i was just like oh god Seriously, it's a great movie. And then the other thing was a lot of the reviews said, oh, it's an alien clone. It's just an alien clone. This is not an alien clone. Are you are you familiar with the concept of- Have you of, watched either movie? Well, are you familiar with the concept of a genre? Do, <laughs> do you know what a genre film is? Are, are you aware? What, yeah, there are these things- where you have sometimes extremely granular classifications of a type of movie that somebody is looking for. I am a horror fan fan who is a fan of humans in a desperate situation in an alien environment. There's a genre for that, or guys. Or aliens in a human environment. Anything. I, I want yeah. the characters to be in a hostile environment attempting to survive whether the environment itself is the only villain or whether there is an additional villain in the alien environment. Cool. I'm good. You want to stack that shit? Not a problem. This is literally what a genre is. If you're a fan of a vampire movie, there's a fucking checkbox. There's a whole checklist of things that happen in vampire movies. I was watching one the other day. We were clearly set up to believe that this one vampire character was the bad guy. And I was like, it can't be them because... Everything's pointing to them. There must be a mystery other vampire. And sure enough, they're fucking... Right. That's the trope. That's the trope. And there it was. And am I mad? No, I am not mad because I set out to watch this movie and that's what I was expecting. There's nothing wrong with tropes. I used to be in this writing group and there was there this one guy... There are tropes for a reason. I was in this writing group and there was this one guy who used to get on everybody. Oh, that's just a trope. And I was like, excuse me, they are signposts on a road and I know I'm traveling in the right direction if I see them. That is what a trope is. Can you be a little trope heavy? Sometimes. Is it fun to see somebody subvert the trope? Sure. Are tropes something to be avoided full stop? Absolutely not. We're looking for them. As a genre fan, you're looking for them. This movie was similar to Aliens. We had the something jumps out of a corpse at the faceplate, like POV scene. Yes. We had the we examine the alien creature under the light scene. There's a newly discovered monster. There's a new, but this is this the only movie that's ever done that? No. And in fact, he had quite a few nods. If you read the trivia on IMDb, apparently he had quite a few nods to aliens and everyone's like, oh, that's because he wanted it to be an alien clone. No, it's probably because he likes aliens and he wanted it to be like an homage. Okay. Like Love had a lot of homages to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Correct. Because if you are the type of person who gets into film for the love of film, 
you have films you love and there's ones that you you get the references and you're like, oh, this, the person who made this movie enjoys this genre of movies as much as I do. Yeah. And they, they give a, yeah, a gesture, a reference to, hey, here's this other movie in this genre that I really loved and I love it so much. I want my movie to be associated with it even if it's just by this indirect reference. It's a way of talking to people who are just like you. Using a like it's like a familect. There's a thing called familect where when you have a family that's together all the time, you just, have even just a group of friends, yeah, you get even, a dialect. You get a unique dialect. References, quotes, inside jokes. Um anytime you listen to a podcast, you can probably hear it develop where like in Feast, Sheath, and Shatter, we have a running joke. We have running jokes about, oh, get out the PowerPoint projector. Get out the, you know, my visa Fetch my vis-a-vis. Fetch my vis-a-vis. Yeah. Well, okay. And come in with 81 kilo, it's you go, go around. around. Go around. Yeah. Exactly. And when you are watching movies like this, there's almost a familect. There's a way that horror fans talk to each other in movies. You know, a horror fan making the movie and the horror fan watching the movie have a language that they expect to see. Because it's a way of saying, I see you, you're like me, I've made this for you. And I definitely see that in this. Um, T.J. Miller is in this. T.J. Miller has become problematic since this was filmed. This was actually filmed. I think principal photography was mostly in 2017, even though it's not released till 2020. Right, and then it kind of got put on hold until Fox... Yeah. 20th Century Fox yeah. bought it and then and they the, finished it. Right. And the well, I mean, it was done. Well, like finished releasing it. Yeah. But the whole shit with TJ Miller happened in 2018. So he's, eh. I think the funniest part about this is that they, the entire crew thought that that stuffed rabbit was going to get replaced with a CG rabbit. Yes. The, <laughs> they, they told everybody that this stuffed rabbit was going to get replaced with a CGI rabbit. So that this guy had a live pet rabbit with him down in this station. And so so everybody treats it super seriously. Right. <laughs> but then they were like, no, we really like no. it. That it's just this stuffed it's, rabbit. It gets treated like a real rabbit. Absolutely perfect. Oh, I love it. So because, I mean, our son has a stuffed rabbit that is his. He will one day be some kind of high powered science inventor mechanical engineer explorer who also has his stuffed bunny in a hip bag yeah everywhere he goes <laughs> so i was totally on board with that a, that a was bunny bjorn in fact there's a whole bunch of alice in wonderland references we get the bunny rabbit yep and then his suit has we are all mad here on the back yep and we see a queen of hearts playing card and i think he uses a quote that's like when you're lost, all roads lead to where you're going, which the Mad Hatter says. Yeah. And he has the Mad Hatter tattoo on his chest, which is cool. I always love when we fold in these. We are in a world that is not like our world. Right. Something has fundamentally has changed about the universe. We've gone down the rabbit hole. They literally go down because they go down that long mm-hmm. elevator. This was really scary, actually, because I have the very obscure very interesting phobia of submechanophobia. I don't like human-made objects in the water. Uh, specifically having to like see them or be around them. Yeah, I don't it freaks me the fuck out. The idea of like shipwrecks, piers, I can't swim around piers or be near piers because the 
like man-made posts in the water <laughs> freak me out. Don't ask me to explain that. That's just one. You know, nobody needs to explain their phobias. You just get to have them, okay? It's like a collector set. I, I have that card in my collection. Congratulations. I got the booster pack that you got at birth. That one was in mine, okay? So this whole thing is submechanophobia nightmare because they are in a man-made thing at the bottom of the ocean. And we've been following William Eubank. This is the end of our William Eubank um, unofficial trilogy. Yeah. It's kind of like the Coronetto trilogy. It's not really a trilogy, but it kind of is a trilogy. You know what the Coronetto trilogy or the, is? Um, or the Man With No Name trilogy. Yeah. Actually, I think that's the same character. But the Cornetto trilogy is um, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, oh, okay. and uh, I think yeah, because they all they, they all, all have, have the, the Cornetto ice cream thing, ice cream thing. Yeah, so these are connected but not the same. So love takes place in twenty thirty nine to twenty forty five. Signal takes place in twenty fourteen, and this movie takes place in twenty fifty. And there's actually somewhere in here a reference to Captain Lee Miller. He's in the credits. He's in the credits. He's credited everywhere. Gunnar Wright is credited everywhere as being in this movie. I could not find him. If you guys can find him or whatever reference we're supposed to be finding to him, let me know. because I We would, would love to see I it. tried to, I even Googled it. Reddit was no help. I mean, Reddit is no help <laughs> normally, but normally there's at least one film bro on there who's like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't see it. It's so obvious. And Jeez, like, it's not that hard. Look. I got the clip for you here and I put it up on YouTube. Yeah. The like three second clip. No, you were way fine. Too, you were way too helpful. It's more like maybe if you watched it again and you actually put your phone down and paid attention, you'd find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess the, the areas of Reddit that I used to hang out on were more. Well, um, Reddit kit is a thing of the past. That's not yeah. a thing anymore. It's been taken over by. I don't want to, I don't want it. That's a rabbit hole of insulting people that I don't want to insult because if you want to live in your parents' basement in this economy, Rachel. fucking go for it. <laughs> what? I don't want to insult people. If you want to live in, listen, <laughs> if you want to live in your parents' basement. Listen, uh, you didn't on. listen to you're the making, rest of that, did you? I said, a... I said, in this economy, fucking go for it. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right, fine. There's, there's a lot of baggage associated Just, with the implication that you're living in your parents' basement. Uh, well, we lived in my parents' basement for a while. <laughs> there's a lot of baggage That's there. fine. We've done it so I can say it. So anyway, my whole point in that, thank you for interrupting me, was don't go on the internet and insult people. Just like, don't do it. I mean, what what, what does it achieve? What, what, what itch is that scratching? Dopamine. Mm-hmm. Oh, that person. People can get dopamine from conflict. That's why internet trolls do okay. what they do. All right. Well, BetterHelp is not our sponsor, but they are affordable. And if you want to sponsor us BetterHelp, I will I will give out my code to all of those people. And therapy works. Therapy works. So anyway, we start out. If I have a complaint about this movie, if I think this movie couldn't be improved at all, it would be to give us some more status quo. Yeah, like a baseline of what yeah. life is like day to day on this station. Right. Before the disaster happens. Correct. Because we get no, I don't even know what this place looks like. It, maybe when it's this not is the normal day to day. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what this place looks like before it all collapses. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't have like a, ooh, a sense of, oh my gosh, that, that hallway used to be like this and now it's like this. Or even a sense of scale of like, oh, I have to go over to this part of the station. Right. And then we get like a two minute like montage of them having to go through hallways and ride, you know, a subway car thing, whatever, yeah. um, just to give us a sense of this thing is massive and then they get isolated in one part and they have right. to get to the opposite end. Right. Like if we'd gone down that tunnel, you know how they end up in that tunnel and they're on that little tram in the water. If I'd seen that at the beginning of the movie, all lit up and yeah, bright. A montage of Kristen Stewart, like finishing up her work for the day and yeah. then commuting back. Yes. And like montaging up this giant elevator, like the CN Tower or something. Yeah. And then she... She's doing her like teeth brushing thing yeah, where she doesn't have... spit her toothpaste out. Oh God. <laughs> One out of ten stars. <laughs> so I, I think that would have helped significantly. But I think they were really trying to shoehorn in the hour and a half runtime. I think they were yeah, trying to maximize the hour and a half runtime. And what we get with that is just a little bit of like scenery where we just kind of walk around the whole like a couple of corridors. And then we get Kristen Stewart. Oh, you know what else might have been? A budget limitation. Because they actually reused the Kepler sets for the Roebuck. They oh, only okay. had $80 million to film this movie. And we have some pretty big names. We have Kristen Stewart. We've got TJ Miller. We've got the French guy from Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Whose name is Vincent Castle. And also, I'm going to murder this guy's name, but it's Momodo, Momo, Momodo. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw, Athi? It, I saw it on the credits. Mamudu. Mamadou. Mamadou Athi. French. Mamadou. And which character is that? That's Rodrigo. Ah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I saw was like, oh, the black guy dies first. Um, There are things called tropes. The two people running down the corridor die first, technically speaking. Yes. And then the blue eyed lady that they find who's still warm when she moves her hand dies third. And then Rodrigo dies. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I'm not invalidating. And there's thousands of other people that we never see. That's another thing we don't get is we don't get how many people work. Like, what's the true cost of this? Because I don't know how many people are stationed here. Right. We know that there's only, mm, what, 22 pods in the one pod bay that she goes to? Yeah, on that pod bay. Yeah. I thought for sure the captain was going to be a bad guy because we go through – she finally gets – I know. We get so many vibes and then we even get his locker on the other abandoned rig. Yeah. And I was sure there was going to be some reference yeah. to him being involved in some secret plan. Right. But maybe maybe there was, and they just cut that out. They were probably like, ah, this is, it's so, just distracting. I think this is one of those things where if you want it, you can have it. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it kind of thing. Because yeah. when we go to that second location, the the one that he's like, oh, no, no, that doesn't exist anymore. We're not going to go right. there. The vibe, the vibes are off in a way. The vibes are not immaculate. <laughs> Go ahead. What? That's the thing. The vibes are. Immaculate. I've never heard that. Okay. Well. Well. Okay. Yeah. The 
the vibe weirdness is yeah. there if you're sensitive to it mm-hmm. and and you you can uh infer right well somebody you want asked William Eubank about it and he was like well if you want to read more into it everything you need to read into it is all in Sherman station because when she goes to Sherman station and she opens his opens his locker there's a picture of Cthulhu Oh, there is. Yeah. And the um, map that he has is a pentagram. Oh, I didn't. I, I was looking for some some piece of information on the map, but I didn't notice the pentagram. Although technically, since this doesn't have wings, it's Shagoth <laughs> instead of Cthulhu. Yes, Cthulhu <laughs> has wings because the race that Cthulhu yeah. is part of used to be able to travel uh, interplanetary space. By their own special abilities, but then they got to Earth and they forgot how they kind of devolved. You know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And in the whole Lovecraftian mythology, that's why it's the Tian Corporation. It's T-I-A-N Corporation. Right. Yeah. But in the Lovecraftian, you know, mythology, there is a group of people who are bringing about the coming of Cthulhu. Right. Right. We listened to that book. There's like a short story we listened to, and it was really cool. There were like all these gods, and this guy ends up becoming a courier for them. And then at the end, it's revealed that it's all for Cthulhu, and it actually felt like, oh, God, fucking okay. (laughs) I read uh, like From the Mountains of Madness or Across the Mountains of Madness. Um, There was a – it was like three Cthulhu-ish stories. That was interesting. Mm, Maybe we'll do them for the podcast. Matt did an eye thing, like, mm, yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of your, hey, you want this to be about Cthulhu? Here's some Easter, here's some little crumbs for you. And if you just want this to be a big evil sea monster that pops up out of the death depths because we like a del- Balrog. Like we delve too greedily and too deep, then that's fine too. And uh they're great. This is great. Because at first we don't really know. It's just a collapse. Is it an earthquake? Was it a strong earthquake? Because we get right, that. The- the gradualness, the, the I guess slow reveal. The slow reveal yep. of the monster is that was perfect. A chef's kiss. Yeah. You can't blow your monster load. So there another movie we reviewed on the podcast was I don't we talk about reviewing the movie. I don't know if we were review Disgust. the movie or if we just discussed the yeah, movie. Yeah, we shot the shit about okay. Pandorum. Pandorum Correct. was a great movie. It had it had more potential that was kind of wasted by re- doing a full reveal of the monster. Way too soon. Way too soon. Yeah, they blew their monster load like right off the bat. And then we had to ramp it up. So much each time we met the monster that by the end you were like, this is just ridiculous. Right. <laughs> like he's wearing dead skin. Yeah. Oh, whatever. he wrapped himself in like mutilated flesh. Well, that's okay. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm checked out at this point. Although that happens underwater too, at the bottom of an ocean. And they're all trying to escape. Oh, yeah. 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 But yes, the slow reveal is perfect because at first, is it, a, is it an earthquake? Is it, I don't know. It's just a contained space in a hostile environment horror for a very long time, which works yeah. really well because we connect with the captain and then we kind of pick up crew as we go along. We get Rodrigo, we get um, TJ Miller's character, Paul, and Paul Jr., the stuffed rabbit. <laughs> 
And then we get, although when he comes out, I don't want to do address this. When he pops out, he calls her, hello, my um, beautiful flat-chested elven creature. That's what he said? Yeah. Oh, I did. I missed that line. Wow. I wonder if he snuck that in now knowing more about T.J. Miller than we knew in 2017. Yeah. Did you have to throw in flat-chested? It's bad enough she spends this entire movie in her bra. Right. Anyway. Anyway. We pick up these characters. We finally end up in kind of the command center. And this is when the character who very improbably survives the entire time. I had no idea Smith was... There's no way. (laughs) There is no way the character named Smith survives the whole movie. I like that Smith, the like macho, like ex-military guy... Ends up getting saved by the two women. Yeah. Maybe that's another reason why it gets such a low review. You're like, oh, there's Ooh. no way. Ooh, because he gets incapacitated. Almost immediately. About halfway through? Yeah. Yeah. And then once we get into the major conflict, he gets incapacitated like immediately. Ends up getting saved by the woman who loves him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he plays a recording of something that happened out at the drill site. And it's like the... a... Roebuck? Roebuck. <laughs> the, 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 the word escape. Usually when I, st- I, I know what letter the word starts with. Yeah. When the words disappear. Correct. And if, when I start making the first, like, if I can make the first syllable correctly... The rest of the word comes. Right. So I'm going like ra re I remembered that one because I got Kepler. That's Johannes Kepler. And then I got uh, Shepherd. But Roebuck? All I could think was Sears and Roebuck. Sears and Roebuck? That's incorrect. That's not it. Nobody calls Sears Sears and Roebuck anymore. In fact, I think Sears isn't even in business anymore. Uh, what could it be named the, after? The name got bought by somebody else. Yeah. Well, I just yeah. that I just kept thinking Sears and Roebuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh uh-huh, Don't think that's it. So yeah, the Roebuck. They play the drill sound, and it's like a like a horrific monster sound. Well, yeah, it's the people screaming. There's like a level ten or and they're like, oh, okay, that's. Um, and, but then it keeps hmm. playing, and there's other like movement sounds yeah after all the people screaming stops correct and then there's like a there's a like a monster roar yeah and they cut it off and they're all like oh shit and the captain's like well cool so we're gonna walk to the roebuck and they're like we're gonna what now and he's like we don't have we don't have uh the submersible we don't have any pods but we do have our like underwater spacesuits, which look really cool and very, very Warhammer. <laughs> yes, like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> you are a walking Warhammer mini right now, but that's fine. So they look really cool. Then we've got those. We're gonna go down to the bottom, and then we're just gonna go to this tunnel. We're gonna travel in this tunnel as far as we can, and then we're just gonna walk to the Roebuck. But the reactor's about to go. Yeah. So we got bloom. to go because the cooling, they're like, how are the cooling towers? And she's like, well, they exploded. So they're not working. Why couldn't you just flood or they the reactor? Um, that's a very good question. Mm-hmm. Is that, it? That's a very good question. It's an excellent question. You are um, surrounded would, by seawater. I would, having um, casually studied nuclear engineering 
for fun. <laughs> for fun. Um, but potential career path. Um, a meltdown usually isn't an explosion. Sometimes there is an explosion because hydrogen gas um, is can be a byproduct in the like cooling tank. And if you're not venting off the gas, it happened at Fukushima. It happened at Chernobyl. Yeah. The explosions at those places were the buildup of hydrogen gas in the like the giant concrete shell around right. the the whole reactor assembly. And that hydrogen gas ignites and boom. But you don't get like a an atom bomb explosion from a nuclear reactor meltdown. I'm fine with the gigantic explosion from a reactor meltdown. We can just retcon it and say, oh, they were using some new reactor design. Correct. That yeah. is like miniaturized so that it's more portable to be constructed into this underwater station. Nuclear reactors in the ocean, probably fine. Water's a great moderator for radioactivity, radiation. Um, so we don't really have to worry about like the people getting radiation poisoning. Yeah. Anyway, the this constraint, this adds a a time limit to their mission because they need to go to basically where the reactor is to get on the elevator to go down. Yeah, they just got to run. It gives us a ticking clock. You need yes. to have a ticking clock. Every we get a story, sense of urgency. Every story, if you want it to feel urgent, has to have a and a tick, nuclear tick, explosion tick, tick. is a great and it works uh, plot device for urgency. Correct. And so we end up on this pod going down, and then we get to the bottom. Well, we get to like halfway down. There's a there's another like elevator car at the level they're approaching. Yeah. And it's a pod. It's a pod. For, it's one of the escape pods. Oh, it's one of the escape pods. Yeah. Oh, and okay. in the very beginning, when we're like going down the tube to mm -hmm. show, you know, the depth at which we are, we see that there's multiple platforms. Yeah. And so they're not just going through one platform. They're going through a whole bunch of platforms. And so one of these platforms has a pod there. And so they go out to like investigate it. Got stuck. it. Something happened. It didn't go up. It went down. And they were like, oh, maybe it had a half charge or something. And so this air-filled pressure chamber sank. I thought they all float it down is fine. here. It's fine. It's fine. So they go out. This is the funniest part, though, because TJ Miller's like, okay, so what do we do when we find the body? And they're like, we're not going to find a body. And he's like- They're going to be- a, We're looking for a survivor. And like, okay, so hypothetically, what happens if I find the body? And then they take, like, nail guns because Smith, is, Smith says, um, I'm thinking about the thing that we heard on the recording. Yeah. Thank you. I don't think there was a moment in this where I was like, why are you so fucking stupid? Right. Paul kept asking Captain Lucian, what do we do in the event of a body? And he's like, he doesn't want to get morale down by discussing this. Right. So he's like, just, just don't ask. Yeah. Just and, don't ask. <laughs> so, but, and Paul is getting more pressing and Smith is like, I know what to do. Oh, Great. There you go. Thank yep. you for – and Done. Lucian, so happy. Like, thank you for diffusing that situation. I'm trying my best to keep everybody from depressive thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And they find that guy's wallet. So, 
Maybe that's where Captain Miller is. I didn't even look at that picture. Mm. I don't know. They're like, great, we can buy something with his credit cards. <laughs> and of course, it's all covered in like slime. Yes, the whole thing is covered with some kind of, looks kind of jellyfish tenderly. Yeah. But it looks like it's growing on it or like it's moved and to kind of encompass it. Yeah. And the limited field depth with the light, the way they have light, but it only goes so far, does so much to increase the overall tension yes. of this movie. And then we finally, you know, shit happens. They get, this is our first hint that there is something out there because something jumps out of the body and they shoot it and they bring it in. And it's this weird underwater sea creature looking thing. And something hits the hull. And this is when Paul goes, do you guys think that's a baby? <laughs> that uh, yes, because then we meet the daddies, mommies in a minute. Because yeah, so Some of these scenes feel very like Joss Whedon yeah. kind of humor. Did Rodrigo already explode? I think Rodrigo already exploded because they have to go uh, down in the water after, to get into the pod. After they get out of this container, I think it's at the bottom of the elevator, they start... They go out into the water and they start walking and it's almost immediate that Rodrigo yeah. explodes. He gets a damaged helmet and they have to walk through his pieces to get <laughs> outside. <laughs> There's screaming. But then There's gagging. Then we get the part where they're walking over to the tunnel and the camera pans around and there's like a silhouette up in the yeah, light. Yeah, they're they're walking toward oh, the base of the building brilliant and, choice making them humanoid yes because humans are very good at picking out human silhouettes yeah and or like bipedal silhouettes and so we watched this and i was like oh shit there was something on the outside and rachel's like no there fucking wasn't <laughs> <laughs> rachel's already like kind of creeped out I was so panicky this whole <laughs> because they're what? approaching a man-made thing yeah under the water and Add on top of that, this is deep, deep, deep ocean. Yeah. Which just compounds Rachel's issues with the whole thing. Uh, and so Rachel rewound it. And so she was like freeze framing. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I see it. And I, thought, I said, that's not even the one I saw. Ah, I said, keep so going. Freaky. And there's another one just sitting up on a ledge. Oh, God, scared the shit out of me. And then they get in so there. So effective. They get in there. And I then they it. go on the little thing, the, the little tunnel rider the mover the mover the people mover and they get to a point where the tunnel is mostly collapsed and so they have to <laughs> on, swim on that, through this on that topic about how this thing is just called a mover yeah i saw a thing a while back about uh i can't believe they when they added sound to movies they called them talkies like uh how like original is that naming <laughs> the thing movie? and then i realized <laughs> what movie meant <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and so this thing, it moves it's a movie. stuff. It, it movie things. It yeah. Move, yeah. Yeah. And they get to a part where the tunnel's collapsed, and then we have to go underneath. And as soon as Paul gets the moon pie and hands the moon pie to Smith, and he's like, here, give this to your lady. I was like, oh, that's it. He's next. Sure enough, <laughs> I was correct. Because he comes... To his credit, as soon as he knows something's in the water, he's like, cool, not waiting. And he just goes underneath and tries to get, but he's a little bit too late. Something gets his line and ends up grabbing his foot and it pulls his whole leg off. 
the characters actually die in the order that Nora finds them. So she finds Rodrigo first. Rodrigo dies first. She finds Paul. Paul dies. She finds the captain. The captain dies. Yeah, and yeah. the um, Emily and Smith were in the command center when her and the captain and Ricardo and Rodrigo, uh, Rodrigo all arrived Correct. at the command center. Yeah. So they were the last. So everybody that she met on her path dies. Yeah. The two people that were already in the command center when she arrived, they get to survive. Yeah. And I love that they take the stuffed rabbit from him. That's his first instinct. Yeah. they. He gets up, takes his helmet off. And then takes the bunny out. Well, he goes because it's supposed to be a live bunny. Well, he goes. There's something in the water, and they're like, "Oh, quit bullshitting us!" And that's when it starts to pull him, and he reaches in and grabs his stuffed rabbit and hands it off. Yeah, and they all they all just hand take it, it across. Yeah, yeah. The, brilliant. The stuffed rabbit. I don't know why, but for me, when we have something like this, this tiny the little sentimental. Yeah, this piece. tiny little piece of sentimentality that doesn't make any sense and in an overall a movie where overall the characters do not make stupid decisions but they are not all hyper competent i i really appreciated when like nora nora gets through the hallway and they're like we have to shut the doors and she's like oh like the machine's not working yeah this terminal's not working uh, and she basically is like, I have to turn it off and on again. Yeah. Like, that's her troubleshooting technique. Yeah. And so she she opens up the panel, disconnects the power, reconnects the power, closes the keyboard back down, and it works. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, they get to, like, a server room, and uh, Rodrigo's like, are you a computer engineer? And she's like, no, mechanical. But I've been down here a long time. I know how to like reset, reset breakers. Yeah. And so she needs to get this system online. It's not working. So she like reaches in, turns it off, and turns it back on again. Yeah. And I really like that she's a mechanical engineer, but she's not like everything. Yeah. She's not the the engineer who right. can solve every single problem. Yeah, I don't mind if a character is just not competent. Like, we have the one character. Emily? Emily, who is just a research assistant. And so she ends but up... But she's uh, very much more, like, biology research assistant. Right. But at no point is she suddenly capable of firing a gun and being the one who protects everybody. And she doesn't... Making smart decisions doesn't always mean that the character acts outside of what the character is. So the mechanical right. engineer doesn't suddenly gain knowledge. They're not suddenly great in like a combat crisis situation if they've never been in a combat situation. Like we have that moment later where Nora pushes everybody towards the door and then uh, Cthulhu is, Shagoth, is the giant sea monster is coming for her and she freezes. Yeah. And it's a little bit frustrating. Like, no, no, go, 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 go. But. That's a thing. That's a thing. Like freezing in the face of danger is absolutely a thing. And she does end up, you know, getting out of it, figuring out how to move past this. But I don't mind when a character is just acting realistically. Right. She didn't like drop her weapon and then run back to try to get her weapon, which took her farther from the door. She didn't do a bunch of Not really... like the captain. Not like the captain. 
Oh, Captain. Uh, well, you know, it's okay. That I was tense enough. It didn't feel like anything was done specifically to ramp up the tension. And everybody's decisions felt like something their character would do. Correct. That's what I'm trying to say is, you know how sometimes you can see the hand, like you can see the horror hand in it where you're like, nobody would do that. You literally just did that to make it more anxious, to make me more anxious. Right. And now I'm not anxious at all because I saw you doing that. I don't want to see you doing it. I want it to feel like a seamless it, part of yeah. the character. You characters. want the story, the character's actions to unfold organically. Right. Another criticism I saw of this was that there was no character development. What? We're with them real time what for an hour and a half. character development would you like out of this movie exactly? Because she goes from being um, slightly unsure of how to save this spider to saving her two friends. And Emily goes from like liking this guy to realizing that I love this guy like and I want to And fight I'm for going this. to I'm going to walk like I don't know where I'm going but he's still alive and I'm still alive. I and I'm, I'm pulling him. Out. I'm just going to keep walking. Right. And then Nora ends up sacrificing herself to save Emily and Smith. Yeah. 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 There, there's some character it's, growth. It's perfectly fine. I thought it was fine. This isn't the movie where I want to see them. I don't, I don't get, you know, time lapse in this. You just get an hour of their time. Yeah. I think at one point she says, a couple hours ago I was brushing my teeth. Yeah. And that's it. I think there is a time jump. Uh, when when Nora finds Emily, there's yeah. been a time gap where she was at um, Sherman. Yeah, Sherman um, Station. Or Shepherd. Shepherd Station. Yeah. Thank you. Where she was, she was at Shepherd Station for a little while. Yeah. She swapped out to the old suit that was there, and then she Which found Emily. Which is even Emily. more Warhammer, because <laughs> it has spikes on the shoulder pad. On the, like, shoulder yeah. piece. Yeah, it's, like, extra resources yeah. or whatever. And she gets a flare gun, which is how we get our first real vision of the the monster. Because yeah. we think it's just these humanoid creatures, but those are just the clingers. They're, like, things that live in its pores. Right. And it's this actual giant. I'm capable of destroying a 60,000-ton drill creature. And then in the end... She's going to, she overloads the reactor by um, pushing the overload the reactor button. <laughs> <She's just> like, <laughs> she pulls up the like picture and she well, just goes, okay. she's, the, she's the mechanical engineer. Yeah. Mechanical engineering is, uh, I guess, power generation fits within the field, like yeah, the, the scope the of mechanical of, engineering. Yeah. So it would have been like within her wheelhouse. To be in charge of the reactor. Right. But she just pulls up a picture of the reactors and just slides the she temperature gauge up. She pulls up the like debug menu with all the safety overrides disabled. Um, and then boom, that's okay. my that's my take on it. All right. It. Go for it. She overrides it. Then she looks up at the sea monster and she's like, you have 60 seconds because they're going Bitch. after the pods. <laughs> the bitch, <laughs> exactly. Because they're going after the pods. She's got to save her friends. And it tries to run away. Did you notice that? Yeah. As soon as she mentions, it's got 60 seconds. Maybe maybe at her, like, it could sense something about, like, it's getting hotter or... Yeah. 
it could sense the radiation or something. Right. But she blows it up. But yeah, it's trying to escape this crater that the station is in. Right. And we get plenty of what at this point we know is William Eubanks' trademark slow motion in highly emotional scenes. Yeah. We got that in the hallway with Nora. Yeah, we got it a couple of times. Yeah. We get it right here where the water is pouring down and she like looks up and opens her eyes. And this poor chick wears glasses. She loses her glasses like immediately. <laughs> and then she, she's like, um, Wilma. That's a very good point. She's like, Wilma, she has to navigate without, I can't see, I can't see without my subtitles. <laughs> she does all the rest of this stuff with no glasses. With no glasses. Imagine how badass she'd have been if she had contacts. <laughs> or LASIK. <laughs> or LASIK. Because she just, yeah, she loses her glasses like immediately. Yeah. Yeah, and she's not wearing shoes. She never gets to put her shoes on. She doesn't even get a shirt on. Halfway through, she loses her pants because apparently we have to be naked to get in the oversized pressure vessel suit. It's probably a, like a heat issue. It's probably really hot inside. It's possible. It doesn't matter. It's fine. It, you know what? It's fine because we don't play that for um, – even though she's like – mostly naked through most of this movie i, I, I love didn't that feel like it, it was part she's not sexualized that's what i'm trying to say yeah. i didn't feel like we sexualized that i feel like it felt like part of the background um to me and even so emily was yeah. um bustier yes but they put her in a tank, tank top. top yeah and i i feel like there was a deliberate attempt to like not sexualize anybody. Yeah, we saw more of TJ Miller's any. ass than we saw yes. of Kristen Stewart's ass because we got a full on like zoom camera image of him taking him, his, his shredded underwear. Of his shredded underwear, which was mostly to his ass crack. Yeah. It was more of his butt than I ever wanted to see. And it reminded me of his quote from Big Hero 6 where he's like, first I go front and then I go back. And then, then I, I go, go inside back, out and then, and then I go front and back, back again. <laughs> 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 Each pair of underwear lasts me four days. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why this movie got so much hate. It was good. It was just pure entertainment. Someone was like, ugh, it's just not one of those movies that, like, makes you think. Did you come to this movie because you wanted it to make you think? How did you think this movie well, was going to make you if think? If you watched Love and then you're like, oh, William Eubank made another movie? I'm going to watch that. Maybe that will make me think the same way. I could see if you didn't think about it much. Yeah. If um, you were the type. <laughs> or you didn't, you <laughs> you didn't, didn't prepare. Think, you weren't like, oh, this one's about an underwater disaster where they're running from an underwater sea creature the entire time. Maybe I'm going to get the same slow, pensive, metaphysical, existential, <laughs> as I got in meandering. love. Yeah. You know what? That's on you. That is on you. That is not on William. He did a brilliant job in this. He had an estimated $80 million, according to IMDb. It only grossed like $20 million. That is wildly unfair. This was a fun movie. Yeah. I like this movie better than Pandorum. Yes, I do. It, yeah. It has a lot of the same feel as Pandorum. It was a nice, tight little narrative. Mm -hmm. We added just enough. Like, you could have an extended edition of this where you gave me more about the backstory of this drill and the fact that because at the very beginning it's alluded that the company knows this is a possibility and they don't care. Right. In all of our little text. And then we see the facility itself is pretty half at like she's in that bathroom and it looks so janky and old. Right. We're looking at the hallways and things are just like dirty. Yeah. 
and there you can see cables everywhere. Like it looks kind of sloppy. Yeah, this feels like a sloppy operation. This feels like something they're expecting to lose, and, and they're hoping the, not the to lose too much center, money doing it. The command center looks so like sloppy, like technology-wise. Right. It looks like somebody just slapped it together. And I think that's intentional. Right. I think it's supposed to feel because we were watching it, and there's the part where there's all the concrete, like the concrete rebar, and we're like. You put concrete in a pressure vessel at the bottom of this <laughs> bottom of the of the ocean. Right. And then I was like, okay, I think the impression we're supposed to get is this was a company that gave no shits. Yeah, they under under designed. Yeah, especially the little when we're going through, we keep getting the advertisements that are like Yes. You're not just part of the team, you're part of our family. Yeah, and it reminded me of <laughs> I get all these advertisements for Amazon and they're like, I started as a warehouse fulfillment technician and now I'm in charge of UI UX for Amazon Prime Video. And you're like, no, you're fucking not. <laughs> you are so <laughs> not. And that's what it feels like is the right now the you're just a capitalist exploitation story arc. Yeah. Or one time when we were really desperate for a job, I ended up in this door to door office sales position. <laughs> And so I had to go with all these other, I had to shadow these other salesmen or whatever, which was just this cold calling people and trying to sell them paper. I don't know. It was the most just BS, but they're all like, yeah, if you stick to this for a while, you know, you work for just commission right now. But, uh, you know, I've heard of people making sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a month. And I'm like, okay, who? And they're like, oh, you know, a friend of a friend who used to work in this office, but now works somewhere else. Okay. So so bullshit. So bullshit is what you're saying. So this is this is the feeling I think they're going for and I really think they achieve it. And then like she gets to the shepherd station and this is the funny when it has the the use the buddy system. Yeah. TN like <laughs> it's illegal to work alone or whatever. That's how it feels. It feels like it, it, trying to think of how to describe this. It doesn't feel like a science mission. It feels like a corporation put this together. And they don't, they, like in Atlas Shrugged, when she takes all of the um, diesel burning engines out of that one line and just puts wood burning engines mm -hmm. because she knows they're going to get taken over. And so that way they don't lose any money. Right. Or they lose as little money as possible. That's what it feels like. And I think they achieved that really well. I think this was really well done. A lot of these effects are actually practical effects. They're not CG. There's even a couple where they're like flipping through the air and that's done um like right they, they actually had people do that yeah rather than animate a a model of a person yeah so i think in short if you watched if you looked at the reviews of this and you were like oh never mind i saw a couple of people were like oh it's so got such low reviews i haven't even i haven't even wanted to look it up don't do that go watch it it's better than the reviews make it out to be did it change my life was it a revolutionary horror movie that I felt like I've never seen before, like Mandy? No. Was it entertaining and I don't want my hour and a half back like I did at the end of um, Prince of Persia? <laughs> yes, it was great. I loved my entire hour and a half. I was thrilled. I was terrified. I was sad. I was on an emotional roller coaster. It was entertaining and enjoyable, and I would watch it again. And probably enjoy it as much. And probably enjoy it just as much. I'd see more. Yeah, we'd, we'd probably pick up more little details. Yeah. I think that's that kind of movie where 
does it invite you to rewatch it because it it's so compelling of a narrative? No, but you watch it again to see like, oh, what other little things did you stick in there? Can I find Captain Lee Miller this time around? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a pretty good summary of Underwater. We've really enjoyed our uh, mini William Eubank deep dive. Uh, thank you, Love, for inspiring this uh, mini journey. Love, brilliant, perfect debut. I have no notes. I cannot believe that man can do that for $500,000. Signal, underwhelming. Yeah. Underwater, excellent marriage of I actually have some money and some access to resources like CG and A-list actors. Not that you, not that we don't love you, Gunner. I'm just saying, but you have, you know, you have a, you have more in your hands to work with, right? And he still knew what to do with, right? Like, can you can you scale up? Yeah, can you scale up? Yes, I think William Eubank did an excellent job scaling up, and we'll be excited to watch his next direction. Yeah, we'll have to see what I think he's been a director on at least a couple of things. Yeah. What's he up to now? We'll look it up and then maybe we'll do another mini run of his movies in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.